morning, church. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. Um, excited to be with you. Excited to have uh, Jordan Thigpen up here with me this morning. Um, and we're going to continue uh, this series called Opportunity. Uh, really looking at God's design still, God's design for the church. And this thought of um, during this time when so much of our normal has changed, what are the opportunities that we have coming out of this? What are the opportunities right now that God is revealing to us that on the other side of this, we can be better. We can look more like God's design for his church. And so uh, we've been talking through that. We're going to continue to talk through that today. Uh, Jordan and I really um, more or less having an honest conversation about uh, God's design and specifically the Holy Spirit's role in God's design for the church and, and God's design for the believer. Um, and so we're going to talk through that. Before we pray and then jump in, I do want to uh, encourage you tonight at six o'clock, we'll be doing another prayer and worship time. Um, I want to encourage you to, to join us for that um, online and uh, let's continue to pray and seek after the Lord. Let's be a church that seeks the Lord and that a church that seeks to only do what the Father is doing, that seeks to only speak what the Spirit is speaking. And so let's come together tonight and let's worship Him, let's seek Him, let's call out to Him, cry out to Him uh, for Him to work and continue to work in mighty ways um, in His church and in the world. Um, and so I hope you'll join us for that. Again, today the focus of this will be on God's design for His church, specifically uh, in regards to the Holy Spirit um, and his role in the church and his role in our lives and how that affects how the church should function and operate. And so um, I want to pray for us and then uh, we'll get going. Father, thank you for this morning and, and your presence, God. God, I thank you that you are with us, Lord. And, and today we pray that your spirit would it, uh, renew and refresh and empower your church, that you would visit your church this morning in a mighty, mighty way, God. We're, we're speaking obviously not of any building, but of your people, Lord, that your spirit would begin to move and, and touch every heart and touch every life to begin to call maybe those who are in a place of dryness to life. God, those who, God, are... Uh, somewhat stuck in their relationship with you, Lord, that you would breathe fresh life into them, Lord. Those who, God, even today are, are, are longing for more, something more, God, and maybe they can't identify exactly what that more is, Lord. Today, I pray you'll speak to our hearts and reveal. Now, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, and even in this conversation, Lord, that Jordan and I have, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you lead us and guide us and help us to hear uh, your voice, to communicate your word with effectiveness, Lord? We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Uh, again, my name's Jordan. I'm honored to be with you. Uh, I've, I've, we find ourselves kind of in a, a strange kind of moment, strange kind of uh, a morning um, and I think maybe the appropriate place to start would be 
is why are there two of us on stage? Uh, wh- how, did, how did this morning come about? And it was um, just kind of a, a Sunday morning, a lot like a lot of Sunday mornings. I just got into the office, popped by Brandon's office, said good morning, uh, and went on about some tasks. And I come back by in a little while. He's still kind of preparing for uh, today for the sermon. And this happens a lot where we just kind of get to talking about what Brandon's going to be preaching about. And over the course of, of thinking through what we're going to be talking about this morning of thinking about what is God's design for the church? What, what, is, uh, what does he desire from the church? What was his heart for the church? What was his intentions for the church? Uh, and then on top of that, how does the Holy Spirit play in that? Um, and really talking about how there, there is no church apart from the Holy Spirit, that there is, there is no uh, body of Christ without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit uh, and thinking through some verses. Uh, it, was a, it was a strange moment this morning for me to say yes to something that we're theoretically talking about. And that was uh, being present with the Holy Spirit, listening actively to the Holy Spirit. And how that played out this morning was Brandon looks at me and says, hey, w- w- do you want to just continue this conversation this morning uh, on camera, basically? Do you want to join me on stage and start talking through this together uh, on stage? And really in a, in a Holy Spirit moment, uh, I just said yes before really, uh, before really kind of thinking about what this was exactly going to look like or what are we going to say. And, and that was really confirmed, I think, as we were talking or as, as we started, you know, with about 20 minutes to go on the clock, we're like, well, what is this going to look like? What we decided to do was just stop and pray. Uh, let, let the prayer be our preparation for this moment. And so uh, if it's a little, uh, if there's some pauses, if there's some moments where this seems a little unpolished. I think we kind of reconciled in our hearts so we were okay with that um, because we, we, what, our, what we concluded was is that God's design for his church was that we would be a people marked by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't always look very polished. A lot of times that looks like saying yes in a moment when you're unsure of how it's gonna look or how it's gonna turn out. So some of what you're gonna see this morning is us trying to model, I guess, that sincerity and that, uh, that moment. So um, maybe to kind of start with some scripture in the moment, I'm doing the very thing that Justin Pay always tells me not to do on camera, which is to swivel in a chair like this, but uh, forgive me for that. But we wanted maybe a place to start with scripture would be Matthew chapter five. Um, again, thinking through God's design uh, for his church and, and how the Holy Spirit meets us there. Let me start with Matthew five. I'm going to start with verse 13, Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Brandon, as you were preparing for this morning, as you were thinking about this sermon, knowing that you wanted to think through uh, God's design for his church, what do you see here in Matthew 5 that kind of sets that on fire for you? Yeah, this was one of the 
the passages that as I was preparing, it really jumped out at me because when I look at this, it's, it's really awesome to see where Jesus is telling us like you as in, not in just the individual, but he's talking you as in the community, you um, are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. In other words, he's saying you are to be distinct from the rest of the world. There should be something that sets you apart. There should be something about you that is different. There should be something about you that illuminates um, the world, that, that has this uh, changing effect on the world. So you should be a distinct community. And we know that as the church is birthed through the Holy Spirit, that there is this distinct community that is created. But in this, Jesus is really saying, look, don't lose your distinction. And as I thought about that, I started thinking, well, what makes the church distinct? And, and one of those things is truth, that we have truth um, that, that we have been given by God. And so the church itself is founded upon truth. It's, it's built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets who gave us the word of God with Jesus as the cornerstone and Jesus, the one there, the, the most important piece that holds all of it together, that, that secures it all and ensures how it is built, the integrity of the entire building up of the church. And so when we see this, he's telling us, don't lose your distinction. One of those distinctions is truth. Um, another one that we know is love like that God's love for us. And then in turn, our love for others um, is one of the greatest distinctions. John uh, 13, I believe it's 35 is where Jesus says, you know, they'll know you're my disciples by your love. The way you love one another is what's going to distinguish you. They'll know that you are mine by that love. Um, and then the last one, and this is really where we're spending our time this morning, is that we are to be a people who are distinct because the presence of the one true living God resides with us. And so he is living with us. He is living in us. And it even goes back to last week's message when we talked about God's design and we looked at the tabernacle and the temple and then the church. And we saw how each one of those, um, the tabernacle and the temple, there were very specific designs um, for them that God gave. There was a specific form and a specific function that God gave to those. And it's no different with the church. The, the church, God has given the church a very specific um, design, a very specific form and function. And when you look back at the Old Testament, the tabernacle and the temple, that those were two of the most important things, the tabernacle, which was finally replaced by the temple, the tabernacle being kind of a portable temple. Um, and, and so, um, but those were two of the most important things to Jewish life. And the reason they were most important, it wasn't because of the sacrifices or anything like that. It was because this pointed um, to the fact that the one true God resided with the Israelites. It wasn't a place that just housed the presence of God. The Bible tells us like God can't be confined to a, a building, a home or a house, a, a temple, but, but it was this design um, that said the one true living God is amongst us. We go to the New Testament. Now we have become the temple of God. Um, and the one thing that should characterize us because understanding the truth and applying the truth or walking in God's love and, and, and being able to show God's love, those two things cannot happen apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to be, I mean, he is God with us. He is God in us. He has to be the, the greatest distinction uh, in the church. Say those last two points again of the two 
two things that have to be there in place regarding the Holy Spirit in our own lives. In our own lives, I don't remember. <laughs> you were saying you were, you were talking about the two distinct marks of 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 us being now the temple, right? Of us being the temple of the living God is um, is the Holy Spirit being in us, right? And the Holy Spirit being with us as a right. people, right? right? And so, and we see that we see even in First Corinthians three and six, where one instance Paul refers to the temple of the Holy Spirit as the corporate gathering in. 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6, he's speaking of the individual. And so if we're going to understand truth, if we're going to walk in God's love and give and share God's love, then the Holy Spirit is not an option. He is essential. I mean, he is, he is God and we can't be and do who we were created to be and do apart from him. The sad side of it is he's so minimalized in the church. Um, thinking about the Holy Spirit being with us and the Holy Spirit being, being in us. In us, we can clearly see in Scripture of, of that, at that moment of salvation, we are sealed by the Holy Sorry. Spirit. But how is that lived out kind of on a day-to-day basis of, of maybe help us think through the, the distinction of the Holy Spirit being in us and then the Holy Spirit being with us uh, kind of on a day-to-day basis? Well, I mean, I think one of the things is just always remembering like God Uh, has promised to never leave us. Jesus told us he wouldn't leave us as orphans, but he would send another. Um, And so um, we know that God is with us in the great commission. Jesus promised, you know, I'll be with you until the end of the age. I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to be with you. Well, how is, how is he with us now through the Holy spirit? Um, In John 14 and 16, he he promises, I'm going to send you another, another meaning one just like me, but is not me. It goes back to the Trinity and, and having, um, three distinct persons in the Godhead, but one God. And he's saying this, that what I'm going to send you, the spirit I'm going to send you is just like me, but it's not me. And so he's going to be with you and he's going to be in you. And so as we go through our day-to-day life, we know that God is with us in every situation and every circumstance. And so we recognize that. We also know that he is in us and and it, it's he who gives us those desires. You mentioned that salvation, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Well, at salvation, we're also given a new heart by the Holy Spirit, um, a new desire for God. And it's the Holy Spirit who stirs those desires. Now, we also play our part in it by being in God's word and praying and taking time to get alone with God and allowing the Holy Spirit through his word and prayer and worship to stir um, up in us and, and be ignited in, in us even more. And so um, knowing, and, and this is the thing, knowing that God is with us, knowing that God is in us every day based off of truth, not off of our feelings, should give us incredible courage and motivation going into the world every day of our lives. One one way I was thinking about that distinction was I think knowing logically, rationally, the Holy Spirit is in me, encourages me to put myself in places where the Holy Spirit has to be with me. Like I think about prayer, knowing that the Holy Spirit is in me uh, drives me to put myself in a place where I know the Holy Spirit needs to be with me to make intercession for me with the Father or to encourage me to pray, to stir me on to pray, or to put myself in a position where uh, I'm sharing the gospel. Like if I'm telling somebody about Jesus, uh, I know that the Holy Spirit's in me, so their response doesn't define me, 
uh, but I need the Holy Spirit to be with me in order to be fruitful. Right. Uh, and I think that's, that's a, a good encouragement uh, there about um, as we progress from seeing that what was significant about the tabernacle is that God was there, the one true God, the one true living God, setting Israel apart from the world, uh, and then being in the temple, being in the promised land with them as they construct a temple it wasn't that the temple was wonderful. It was that God's presence was wonderful. And now fast forwarding to the church, the Holy Spirit living in us is one of the distinct marks of being a follower of Jesus is that we have the Holy Spirit. So we are a people marked by truth. We have God's word that corrects strongholds in our own minds that uh, is a rock for us to look to, to, to uh, a stable source of truth, not a fleeting source of truth. We're marked by God's love as we live outwardly in an expression of care and, and God's heart to people. Uh, but then also we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is with us and the, and the Holy Spirit is, is in us. I had a question thinking back to Matthew chapter five as we were looking at this. Jesus is commending the disciples that you are the salt of the earth. But then he, he kind of poses a question, but if, if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? How does the church live a saltless existence? Well, it, it becomes about going through the motions, right? Um, if we cease to acknowledge um, who God is, we cease to acknowledge what God has done for us in Christ, we cease to acknowledge God's presence through the Holy Spirit, then we quickly become, uh, we quickly lose our saltiness. We lose our distinction, right? Um, if we quit uh, rehearsing the gospel in our hearts and, and, and in our, our minds and in our, in our services together, our times of gathering and worshiping, um, then we lose our saltiness. So we, we lose the truth. Um, if we uh, quit um, receiving and walking in God's love, then we quickly lose our saltiness. We, we, we're no longer walking in love. We're no longer receiving love. If we're not receiving love, we can't give love. There, that distinction is gone. Um, and certainly if, if we're not acknowledging and pressing into and calling out for more of God's presence through his Holy Spirit, then we've lost the greatest distinction and the greatest privilege of the church. You just said something very interesting. You said that, um, you said that if we are not receiving love, then we're not able to, to adequately give love. And I think what we would call that, that moment, that phenomenon of not being able to receive love would be a stronghold, right? Um, and I, I wonder if Matthew 5 was in the, the whoever wrote the song that we just sang, um, Break Through the Shadows, um, or Break Every Stronghold, Shine Through the Shadows. Um, I, I wonder if a mark of a saltless, lightless life is those shadows not being broken through, right. those strongholds not being pulled down. Yeah. That's, that's something that came to mind for me, kind of connecting with that, that song is that, Evidence of the Holy Spirit being in me and being with me as those strongholds begin to be torn down. And I think one, maybe just one small application or piece of evidence for us is to think through, um, am I able to receive love? Uh, and, and maybe you can't dig that deep yet. Are, are you able to give love? Is there evidence around you that people are built up in love? Uh, and and if, that, if, if they are, then that's a, that's a moment to celebrate, right? We are living as salt. We are living as light. That's maybe an application of what Jesus is teaching in Matthew 5. Um, 
And we know, we know two strongholds are pulled down by the power of the Holy Spirit working through God's word. And one of the things that Mr. Butch pointed out to me and taught me is going back to John 14 uh, and 16, if you look at that, um, it teaches us that the primary role of the Holy Spirit is to lead us into all truth. And so when the Holy Spirit reveals truth through God's word, it begins to reshape our thinking, pulls down strongholds and the paradigms we've always known that may be incorrect begin to be transformed. Uh, anything else you see there in Matthew 5 that you want to touch on? Salt just, and light. Just an encouragement that we press into God because, I mean, that's our distinction mm -hmm. is the power. We don't want to just have a form of uh, the church, a form of godliness without the power of God working in and through mm -hmm. us. And so um, realizing that and, and understanding our dependence um, and, and the necessity of us walking with the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think about, when I think about salt and light, the word that comes to mind is evident. It is evident. Um, with, recently, we, uh, we, we really love like um, nacho chips in our house or like tortilla chips. And um, one of the things that I've noticed is with some of the cheaper brands of those is they are unbelievably salty. Like okay. it is so evident immediately how salty those chips are. Um, and Jesus is likening like, our lives to being being salt, and that should be evident in our lives. That 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 reality should be evident as as people are looking at our life. And and he makes that even clearer with saying we're a city on a hill. Um, I was thinking about that imagery as we were talking. I, I think about like landing at an airport, like mm -hmm. la landing in D.C. or landing in Chicago or something like that. Like when you're, when you're flying in, you want that window seat because you want to be able to look out the window and see the city as you're descending because it is so evident how beautiful it is. Or, or even like a flyover state like in the Midwest where you want to be able to see because how beautiful that scenery is is evident. And I think that we should really take that to heart here with the words of Jesus of, of how our lives should look. I know in thinking about this, this was convicting for me, like, is it evident? Does Jesus radiate from my life? Like is, when people look at my life, do they think about Jesus or am I distracting from that? You know, is the way that I live my life distracting from that? Like if, would, I be, would I be the baby on the plane distracting from the view, right? Like, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know how to, to say that any other yeah. way, but. Yeah, I think the, the challenge in that is re recognizing as, as I do in my own life that there are areas that need to change, like areas of my heart that need to change so that areas of my life and my behavior, my actions begin to change. Um, not being loving enough, not, you know, just things like that where there's, there's areas that definitely need to be altered. Where we fall into the trap, though, as uh, Christians, is too many times we go to the place of trying to change the behavior. When um, sandwiched between when Jesus is teaching on the Holy Spirit so much in John 14, and he's teaching on the Holy Spirit in John 16, right in the middle of them is John 15, obviously. But that's, a, that's a, so much about the fruit that is produced when you abide in Christ. And we know from Galatians 5 that it's the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the greatest hindrances for the church is that we have taught so much about behavior modification so that the win is not so much that 
um, we're on mission for Christ or that, that communities and the world's, world's being changed, the win for so many of us is just to clean my life up, just to look okay. Um, and we've kind of labeled that as this is the mark, this is the win, this is the mark of Christianity. And, and that's so far from the truth, right? Um, but it's the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to live out the existence that we're called to live in the image of Jesus. And yet we spend so much of our time um, just trying to, to, to modify the bad fruit in our life. And yet that never really happens, at least in a consistent way, unless uh, we are walking and, and, and really pressing into God and God is doing that in us and through us. I love what you said there. That it made me think about like, Jesus is not like unfamiliar with our, our struggle, you know, with our obedience. I like, when we're talking about like, as an exhortation to be salt and to be light, I love that you made it clear we're not talking about behavior modification. And I, and I think about Peter in this. Um, I, I'm thinking about Jesus predicts the denial of Peter and I love what he says. It's Luke 22. He says this, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I love that Jesus is already predicting the future fruitfulness of Peter. He doesn't keep Peter from going through the moment, right, of denying him. Like, you know, if there was ever like a moment that I would hope the Lord would protect me from, it would be denying him. Uh, but there's that, that moment where he lets Peter walk through that, knowing he's gonna walk through that. And it goes forward in him being equipped to strengthen the brothers. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that, and that doesn't like minimize the significance of Peter's denial. No more than um, whatever saltless or lightless moments that we display as followers of Jesus to the world, it doesn't make it any less grievous or doesn't mean that God's not hurt by it or doesn't mean that we should seek to be, more, be salt and light. Um, but it doesn't, prohibit us from future fruitfulness for the Lord. It doesn't prohibit us from growing in godliness or, or honoring Jesus in great ways in the future. Yeah. And, the, and the key to it, the key or one of the keys to the Christian life is keep it simple. I mean, I don't know how much more clear Jesus could make it than when he said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It doesn't get much more simple than that. Like seek him for, seek him out. And, and if you look at these things, if we want more of God, we want more of the Holy Spirit, we want more of the fruit of the Spirit, if we want more of his presence, then it's clear, like seek him. Um, even in Luke 11, when uh, Jesus tells them to ask and seek and knock, and he, he makes this promise that, you know, God will give you more of the Holy Spirit. He's like, he's not gonna withhold this. Just ask and seek and knock pursue. Those are all verbs, right? That, that he says, come after me. And, and I promise you, I'm not going to like be hiding from you. If you come after me, I'm going to dwell in you. I'm going to, I'm going to dwell with you. Um, I'm going to empower you. And, and so it's really simple. It's not easy, but it's really simple. Come after me with all your heart, come after me. And then what's the motivation of that? It's God's love 
right? I come after him. Why? Because he loves me so much. How can I not want to be with him? And so it's recognizing that and then saying, with everything in me, with everything in my heart, with everything that I have, I want him. And now there's all kinds of obstacles. There's all kinds of things that can get in the way and hinder us from those things. But at the end of the day, um, it's just as simple as saying, God, I need you. I want you. I've got to have more of you. You want to dive into this Acts 2 real quick? Let's look at Acts 2. 1 through 13 real quick. When the, so the goal, the goal, just to kind of recap, is we wanted to think through God's design for the church and uh, how we relate to the Holy Spirit. Um, and we, we looked at, Ma- at Matthew chapter 5. Now we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. Now we're really going to start um, pressing around into the, the, what do we need the Holy Spirit for? What does it look like to have an ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit? How do we pursue his presence and maybe a lot lot more, uh, a couple other things that are going to be more application oriented. This is Acts 2 starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But some sneered and said, they are drunk on new wine. Brandon, what do you see here that, that was stirring in your heart about God's design for the church? Yeah, well, one thing is this is a huge moment, right? right. Um, not just uh, in the church, but just in history. Um, because this moment is a fulfillment of so much prophecy, especially if you go back and look at Joel chapter 2. He's prophesying this day that the Holy Spirit will be poured out on God's people. Um, and if you go on and read Peter's sermon to the people, that's actually um, a large part of what he quotes is from Joel chapter two. And so when he says um, that the spirit of God came, this for uh, believers was the sign that those days that were prophesied have come and God has poured out his spirit on men and women and empowered them for a, a very uh, distinct function a very distinct purpose. Um, And so when we look at that, that's what's happening here. This is a huge moment in history, um, and it is really the birth of the church, that the Holy Spirit has come and birthed the church. And one of the things that we have to understand, and I think if we can remember this and let this guide us as the church, it's huge, is that the Holy Spirit um, birthed the church in the heart of man. Um, It wasn't man giving birth to the church through his own logic and understanding. And that's what we see throughout the whole book of Acts is that the the spirit gave birth to the church, led the church, empowered the church um, from its beginnings until today. 
And it wasn't something where they were sitting around a table on the day of Pentecost going, now, how can we get this done? What's the best way to go about this? What they did was they listened to Jesus and they did what he said. He said, don't leave Jerusalem until you've received what I've promised. If we can just get back to that today, just listening to Jesus, listening to what the spirit says and just doing what he says, instead of always leaning into our own understanding of, well, how can we do this or how can we do that? Because I think about it, how much of what the church does on a day-to-day basis is done apart from the Holy Spirit? Like most of what the church does today doesn't even need the Holy Spirit to be done. We just think through it and we come up with good ideas and then we go forward with it and we ask God, bless these ideas. So we, we come up with the idea, then we pray God use it instead of praying God, what's your idea? And then going forward with it. And, and so we have to see that from the very beginning, the church was a spirit-filled community to be distinct in the world that functioned by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's one of the things that bothers me today is, is how many people minimize the role of the Holy Spirit in the church. But, but here's the thing. If we minimize the leading of the Spirit, if we say that the Holy Spirit no longer speaks, he no longer leads, he no longer guides, if, if we say that, you know, that that no longer happens, then what are we left with, really? Like, what are we left with? We're left with our own understanding. Um, because not every specific situation is spelled out in Scripture. There's areas, I mean, that, that it doesn't specifically say, you know, um, Brandon, you know, you should start this church um, in November of 2008, right? That was something that was led by the Holy Spirit. Um, now, so, so we need the Spirit of God to continue to lead um, in the church. If we say that he no longer does, if we don't seek him to do that, then what we end up with is leaning on our own understanding, which according to Proverbs, we're not supposed to do. So actually we're sinning by trying to just figure out our own path. I, I, I'll just say this church, I'm really convicted by that. You know, I think that I, I am a person who is normally kind of leaning on trying to figure things out myself or uh, counting on logic, counting on reason, counting on my ability to read and interpret scripture, leaning on my experiences, leaning on different things like that when, um, my like my real spiritual state is revealed in that when I am alone and it's just me and the Lord, I struggle, you know? I, I, feel, I feel comforted and that I feel like Paul highlights like prayer was a labor for him at times, that he labored in prayer. Um, I, think I, I think I need to grow in being more obedient to laboring and just struggling through it. Um, but I think part of what mine and Brandon's conversation this morning was is that we need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Like there is a sense of, of not being willing to move until the Holy Spirit moves. So what does that look like uh, in your opinion, uh, Brandon, with just waiting on the Holy Spirit? How, how could we as followers of Jesus be better marked by our listening and, and pursuing the Holy Spirit? Well, I'll, I'll use an example from church, right? And I, I feel like I've been in a few different churches. I feel like most churches operate this way, including us. So this is not slamming another church. It's not slamming. This is saying this is something that we can do better, but I think it also applies in all of our lives in different ways. So the typical church meeting goes like this. We come in with a typical agenda of things to talk about. Um, before we 
start the meeting, we say, okay, who wants to pray? Or somebody says, all right, let's pray and then we'll start the meeting. Well, we pray, you know, a minute or two typically or whatever, five minutes, however long we pray. And then we say amen and look up from, you know, the prayer and go, so first agenda item, blank, 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 blank. What do y'all think about that? I mean, you see what I'm saying? And I'm not saying throw our minds out. God gave us minds, you know, and God shapes our minds and gives us the ability to think intelligently. But we're so quick to lean back on what we know and what we think. And instead of really praying and seeking God until there's a breakthrough, until the Spirit says, until we come to this this leaning that, you know what, this is what we feel like the Lord is telling us to do. And, and a lot of people say, well, you can't operate like that. Well, I would say, why? Because that's what I see here, right? Is it was a spirit-empowered and a spirit-led community. I think if we prayed and, and then made decisions versus um, planning and making decisions, it would, yeah, and, yeah, it would be completely different. And, and, you know, I think we would be really surprised at how much the spirit would lead. And, and I've seen this in my own life is, man, I can be very analytical. I, I can try to figure things out. But if I would just shut up and listen to God, just get by myself and worship him and pray and be in the word, it's amazing how God starts to line things up. But when I get so busy and so in my own head and trying to figure things out, man, then that's when things get tangled up, right? And, you know, and we just need to change the way we operate. And so, you know, in our personal lives, it's very similar, right? We have our quiet time in the morning or whenever, and we kind of have our quiet time. And then we say amen, and we go out the door and do everything we think we ought to do with, with very little consciousness of what's God saying? What's God leading to do? And we need to make sure it lines up with his word, right? I mean, this is our God. It just needs to fit within the lanes of scripture. But I think as a church, we need to begin to, to strive to be God and, and really cry out there, God, we want to hear your voice. God, we, we want to be a church that only does what we see the Father doing. Jesus tells us that when the Holy Spirit comes, he says, um, he won't speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears. So God, what you're saying through the spirit, let us hear. You know, Jesus said, how many times? I don't know, but he said a lot of times that he has ears to hear, hear. Um, you know, if we look in uh, Revelation, you know, and, and again, uh, let he who has ears, let him hear, you know, and we, so we see these things, hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. To me, that's got to be our go-to. That's got to be the beginning, um, is what is God's idea, not what's the best idea we can come up with. Yeah, I, I would have screwed up the early church big time. I'd have been sure. like, we got yeah, some momentum. Too. We just saw Jesus crucified and resurrected. You know, we just saw him ascend into heaven. We got the Old Testament. Let's roll, yeah. you know? Like, I, like but well, obedience and- in that moment <clears throat> was go and wait on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and, and, and think about this, man. Like, even the first missionary journey, when, when Paul, is in Acts 13, when Paul and Barnabas are sent out to go to the Gentiles, Acts 1-8, uh, 
Um, we know that we're supposed to be witnesses um, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then um, we get to Acts 13, and one of the, the, the ways that it really went to the ends of the earth was through the ministry of Paul as, as he went around and planted churches in so many areas that uh, were without the gospel. And yet the way that first missionary journey came about, it wasn't where the, the apostles were sitting around um, a table saying, now we know we're supposed to go to the ends of the earth, so let's look at the map and let's figure out how should we go about doing this. Um, look, look, this is a good place. If we go here, this is one of the m most popular roads that goes through the, the, the Roman Empire. So we should plant a church there because, man, there's, there's going to get a lot of traffic right there. Um, and, you know, or, or this is, an, and just thinking through it, that wasn't what happened. This was literally birthed out of a time of prayer and worship and fasting. They're literally worshiping God and, and the Spirit said to them, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them. It says, then they got together, laid hands on them and sent them out. So it was a work of the Spirit from beginning to end. Yeah, and up until that point, it was Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas yeah. and Paul. And we don't yeah. see it until then as Paul and Barnabas. Right. And that, so that we got to pay attention to that context. Yeah. Um, I want to think a little more specifically about the Holy Spirit, and I, I think that's probably the most important part of today is that if we sit and watch this sermon and we talk through these things and you hear this conversation, but we don't walk away with practical things of, of what does it look like for me to pursue the Holy Spirit on a daily basis or, or to draw closer or to eliminate things that distract us from the Holy Spirit, I want to start there. What are the what are the things that, in your experience as a pastor, distract the follower of Jesus from sitting in the presence of the Holy Spirit? Number one thing to me is motivation. Right? Is we 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 yell at people for being apathetic, right, in the church, and so why, why aren't we motivated? But I believe we're not motivated um, because we're, we we've forgotten the love of God. We we've, we've We've left, lost our first love, right? We've moved away from the gospel. We're not seeing the gospel with fresh eyes over and over and recognizing what God's done and who we've now become in Christ from sinner to saint, even though I'm still sinful in my nature, that by faith I've become righteous in Christ. And that love, Paul even said in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, Christ's love compels us. What does it compel us to? Everything. It's, it's the motivation for all of life that God loved us. When we didn't love God, God loved us. When we were enemies of God, God loved us. And so my motivation has to be, I want to know him because he is good. I want to know him because he is a loving father who is perfect in every way and gives good gifts. My motivation has to be, I want to, I want to just be in relationship with the father. Um, I need him more than I need breath. But, but me included, when we quit going through and seeing the gospel in God's word and we, we quit seeing the goodness of the Father and, and the goodness of Christ and, and the goodness of the Spirit who leads us to repentance and, and brings us back to the Father, then, man, our motivation wanes. And so the first thing that has to happen, man, is we've got to remember. We've got to remember the gospel. And when I say remember, I don't mean like just think back to We've got to go back and, and see it with fresh eyes. God, let me see this again. 
um, applying it to my, even my failures right now, um, that God, you have overcome these things and, and, and it, it kind of catapults us. It's a catalyst for us to continue to grow. But, but God, let me remember. And then in remembrance, let me act upon it. Let me, let me move towards you to seek and to knock and to find more and more of your presence in my life. So I think motivation um, has to be right. It has to come from the right place. So, so key to, to living or in light of the Holy Spirit, pursuing the Holy Spirit, step one, get your motivation right. Motivation um, from the gospel. Motivation from the gospel, not motivation to please God or to make him happy with you uh, or anything like that, but a simple that what God has already declared about you reign true so that you can live in light of who he has said that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so motiva- getting your motivation right with that. Um, what else? I think another thing that we have to be aware of is um, not allowing our experience to rob us of what the Spirit desires to do in our life. Um, And so for many of us, um, we've got a lot of knowledge, but we don't have a lot of experience with God. And in the church, a lot of times, experience is either shied away from or experience is somewhat over-exaggerated um, and so we don't really know what to do. Like, should I experience God? Should I have emotion with God? Should I, should I not? Should I not? And well, I mean, we do that with every other relationship, right? So there should be um, an experience of God. He is a living God. So um, it shouldn't just be about knowledge. It should be about our experience. But in many ways, we have to overcome experiences in our life in order to um, be able to really embrace God as he is, to embrace the Holy Spirit as he is. Because for some people, um, we've been in churches where uh, it was all about experience. And we saw things that were like, that's not even biblical. And so we withdraw from the Holy Spirit because we're like, when, you know, I just don't know about this Holy Spirit you know, thing um, that's going on. On the other side, though, we've been in churches that really minimize the Holy Spirit. And you, you know, people that say the Holy Spirit doesn't really do anything anymore. And so our experience has taught us that the Spirit of God really, you know, he did some work in the book of Acts, but that's a history book. So now let's just move on and do what we do. And so we have to realize that our experience on either side um, has taught us inaccuracies about the Holy Spirit. We need to go back and let Scripture shape our our understanding of the Spirit, not not experience. Um, So I would say dig in and begin to see what the Bible says. Remember that as we look at Jesus, he reveals to us what the Spirit is like, what the Holy Spirit is like, and that he is another one like Christ. And so we can begin to understand who the Holy Spirit is. We can begin to embrace the Holy Spirit without fear or without um, skepticism, um, realizing that um, he's like Jesus. What would you say to a follower of Jesus that says, you know, Brandon, I, I, I really do... Uh, believe that scripture is the authoritative word of God and it's extremely significant, but I just don't really like to read. Yeah. I just don't really like to, to I just struck, maybe even struggle with reading. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, a, a difficult task for them. What would you say to, to that follower of Jesus as it relates to God's design and the Holy Spirit? Well, one thing I would say comes with probably a lot of compassion and mercy. The other thing I'm going to say does not come with a lot of compassion and mercy. One is if you struggle with reading and, and like maybe you have a reading disability um, 
even to that extent. My granddaddy was a bivocational um, pastor um, and he was illiterate. And so he learned the Bible, knew it backwards and forwards by listening to it on tape and by my grandmother reading it to him. Um, and so you can, you can know the word of God and grow in God's word without being able to read or, uh, and with technology today and things like that, there's ways. Yeah. If, if, if you're hungry and there's a way to get it right. Um, and so having with a compassion and mercy of saying, listen, there's a way. And then also like, look, get, be in community with somebody. It's where we've got to have other people in our lives who are helping us understand scripture and walking with us uh, through it to help us get it. And so with a lot of compassion and mercy, like if you're hungry, there's a way, there's a way. Grab hold of somebody that's uh, walked with the Lord and walking with the Lord and let them help you in that if you need to. Before you say the second one, I thought of two good examples on that first one. Um, I, we have a, a coworker that he self-confesses, doesn't really like reading mm -hmm. that much, but he has a real hunger for the word and yeah. he reads scripture like voraciously mm -hmm. and he loves it. And I, 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 that was a moving example to me of somebody that sets their personality aside, sets their preference aside, and, and maybe even things that come natural. Like, I'm going to set that aside because I know the word is worth it. And I think of in the community piece, uh, there's somebody that attends our church that he shared with me that he has this running text chain with a, a group of guys that yeah. they are just consistently talking through scripture in that text chain right. and almost redeeming technology a little bit mm -hmm. in, in a way that helps them stay connected as friends in community, but centered on the word. I thought right. those were in, those were encouraging examples of what yeah. you're talking about. And I think that's good. And, and yeah, so there's a way to get it, even if you don't like to read, even if you can't read, um, there's a way to get it. Um, and, and we need that in community. The second one that is not as compassionate and merciful is just for the person that says, well, I just don't read. I just don't like to read. Or, you know, I, it just doesn't, I just don't, I just don't get it. I just, well, why? Right? Like, if, then just like say, I just, it doesn't matter enough to me to read. Like, I'd rather just not read than be in the presence of God. And if that's the case, just be honest about it. But, you know, excuses at some point have to go away. And like, before I became a Christian, I could probably count the number of books I read as a whole. And this is no exaggeration. I could probably count them on one hand. And most of those were sports books. Like, you know, and so I know nobody would, would ever believe that with my vast vocabulary and love for classical things. But man, like we, we just have, there's things that we just do because I'm motivated by God's love and I, I want him. I can't tell you how many people I've heard the story of before Christ, I didn't read. After Christ, become voracious. Like, it's almost like Christ redeems that learning sensibility. Like right. there's something about to be a follower of Jesus is to be inherently someone who grows from what you used to be into something that you were, that you were not before. Like right. that's that sanctification process is part of saying, I'm gonna be a follower of Jesus is to say, what I used to be was incomplete and dishonoring to Jesus. Who I am now in Christ is this redeemed person. And I think part of redemption is learning and growing and reading is a huge part of that. Yeah, and, and I know we're, we're out of time, but I guess to kind of close it out practically is just to share a couple of experiences I've had in that. And 
you know, when I was first saved, had a great hunger for God, um, way more zeal than wisdom, uh, probably caused a lot of destruction that I'm still trying to rebuild from those first years because I was just zealous for God. But one of the things that without much wisdom and, and um, so one of those things though that that zeal did was it, it made me pursue him. And, and I just remember some key pivotal moments in my life where um, the Holy Spirit re really revealed himself as being real um, early on. And, and one of those was when we were living in Waynesboro, I was sitting in the recliner there. This was right after Susan and I had gotten married and I'm reading scripture and I came to a passage of scripture I just didn't understand. I, I, I couldn't wrap my mind around. I didn't have a commentary or anything like that. And so I just remember stopping, closing my eyes and saying, Lord, um, just show me what this means. Give me some understanding in this. And it was like God in that early stage of my faith confirming that he would give me understanding if I sought it. And, and just in that time, it was like my eyes were open to understand this passage. Another one I've shared with the church is when um, I started feeling sort of distant from God right after I got saved, probably six months in. And I went and just sat down in the floor in our bedroom up in Waynesboro in this little duplex, cut the light out. And I just was like, God, I'm not leaving until this fire in me is rejuvenated and rekindled. And sat there for a long time. And, and then it was like the room was just filled with the presence of God. And, and all I could do is, is really weep and and yet there was this incredible spiritual encounter. And at the same moment, I'm hoping like Susan doesn't walk in and see me sitting down, you know, like crisscross applesauce, bawling my eyes out in the dark. And, and so I'm um, just revealing. I remember the first time I opened the Bible, not long after I'd been saved, I started reading 1 Corinthians and the word of God started speaking to my heart. I didn't understand it all, but what I could grab, it was just like it was piercing my heart. And it was just so real and, and God was speaking and it showed me that God is alive and wants to really speak to our hearts. And so um, just so many things like that and it could go on and on and on over the last 20 years where it's just the reality of God's presence in our life. And, and I can say this, the one thing that I want for our folks and for Christians so much is for the reality of God to be in their life and for us to be people who walk in his presence um, who are led by the Spirit of God, who don't lean into our own understanding, but really listen to the Spirit of God and follow, even when it's uncomfortable, even when we don't know the outcome, even when it puts us in situations, and especially when it puts us in situations that we are beyond our limitations and God has to move. That would be my heart for our church. And so I just say this, press in with the right motivation, cry out, He's faithful to his promises. He will give more of the spirit. Don't let your dignity or awkwardness keep you from pursuing um, and, and go after him. Because uh, we know this, the scripture tells us if we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And with a stubborn resolve, hold on to the promises of God and pursue with everything you have. I would add, don't let your logic and reason keep you from Don't let pursuing. that be a, a stumbling yeah. block, yeah. I was, I was thinking even as you were talking about the, like being in Waynesboro and just being determined to just sit in your room. Um, and I think like you just felt kind of distant from the Lord. I, I still find myself a lot during the day just thinking about Jesus, just thinking about things of the Lord. And even aside from working at a church, I just find myself doing that. But I, I certainly feel like I'm closer to just rationalizing, feeling distant from the Lord or 
you know, just using logic to say, oh, it's just a season or, you know, but I, I feel convicted from today just to become like just dogged about, I'm going to experience the Holy Spirit. I'm going to just sit and I'm not gonna move until the Spirit moves, until the Spirit speaks. And there's countless examples in scripture of people just saying, I'm not gonna move Spirit until you come. Father, until you come and move. And so what I, just to kind of close this out, I think about like, just take, take a moment to take, do a, like a, just a check in your own heart and in your own mind of where's truth at? Like, where's the word at in my own heart and my own life? Where's my love for people at right now in my own heart and my own life? Am I, am I actively loving people? Am I receiving love? Uh, and then where's the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit present and active? When's the last time I heard from the Holy Spirit? When's the last time I did something that I was afraid to do, uh, but I said yes to it anyway? Um, I know that's my application uh, from today. And to not let logic or reason or fear or insecurity or anything keep you from pressing into the Holy Spirit and just being so zealous for that moment that you hear from the Holy Spirit. And this is what I would encourage you with too, friends, is that that is possible. That is not possible just for for Brandon because he's a pastor or me because I'm a pastor or uh, somebody else because they work at a church. But if you work in banking, if you work in real estate, if you work as a farmer, you have access to the Father because of the Holy Spirit and you have access to the Holy Spirit moving in your heart and in your life this week personally. Um, And test the Lord on that. See if he wouldn't speak to you this week by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we can keep talking, but we got to let them go. All right. Can I pray and yeah, close this let's out? Yeah, do that. Lord Jesus, we need you desperately. Lord, we can't be the church that you would have us to be without your Holy Spirit. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit in every single person that calls connection home. God, I pray that if today someone heard this conversation and the Holy Spirit just seems like something so distant and foreign. They've never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that you would just sprint into their hearts now and change things and shake things up, God, that every single person that sits in every one of these chairs throughout this auditorium God, that they would experience Jesus, maybe for the first time. Maybe they would confess their sin and place faith in Jesus, that they would repent, that they would be sealed by the Holy Spirit in this moment. God, I just pray over them. Lord, I just pray over them right now. I pray for every single person who is a follower of Jesus that sits in this auditorium that makes up the body of Christ here at Connection Church. God, I pray that every single one of us would experience the Holy Spirit this week. Lord, I pray that you would give us a Holy Spirit-filled determination to hear from the Holy Spirit this week. Lord, that we would set aside anything that would distract us this week, God, to hear from you, that you would show us new patterns, new habits, Lord, new ways to schedule our time, that every single day we would hear from you. Lord, we are, 
We are asking you to move major things around in our hearts and in our lives. And we are not up to that task in our own strength and in our own power. God, we need you. We are dependent on moving forward as a church only if you move. God, so I pray that your design for the church would shine forth in this church, Father, in this local church, that we would not settle for a veneer or that we would not settle for uh, uh, a little bit of that, God, but that we would be all in on your design for the church. And that means being all, all in on the Holy Spirit marking every single one of our lives. So every person that calls themselves heart and soul here, every person that is a connect group leader, every person that's in a connect group, every person that's on staff, God, we need your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please come, fill us, renew us, change things around. We need you. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Hope you have a great week.